Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Hi, Michelle Martin. Good Friday morning. Asia Pacific shares are rallying this morning. Seoul is up nearly 1%. Sydney is trading three quarters of a percent higher. And Tokyo is in the green as well. Investors have their eyes on Beijing, where the People's Bank of China is expected to cut interest rates. Investors are also watching Singapore closely this morning. I'll tell you why. First, though, joining me as we break down all the market action. How's Friday been going, Ryan Wang? So far, so good. Looking forward to the weekend. How about you, Michelle? Doing well so far. Good morning. And let's start the morning here in Singapore, down at the Singapore Exchange, where one of the highest profile share listings in quite some time is taking place this morning. I am talking about NIO, the Chinese electric car maker, which is carrying out a secondary listing on the Singapore Exchange, perhaps in advance of a delisting in the United States. NIO shares are trading in Hong Kong as well. Now, Ryan, NEO has had a rough year. Its stock lost nearly half of its value. That said, though, the stock has been on a tear this past week, up an impressive 27%. Why do you think that is? Yeah, you've got a couple of potential reasons to look at. And I think a lot of people or market watchers have been looking at what analysts have been forecasting for NEO's outlook. And one of them is the Bank of America analyst uh, just pretty much raising his view on NEO, raising his rating to buy from hold. So this bumps up his target price to $26 from $25. And this new target price implies an upside of about 78%. So what's behind this optimism? So a couple of things. He's saying the improving outlook for volume sales and margins are becoming attractive. And after the huge sell-off, these valuations are starting to look attractive. So he's looking at business picking up for NEO, for NEO to expand, and also for new models to be sold this year to just ramp up its revenues. And if you look at the recent sell-off, he's pointing to a couple of reasons. The slowdown in sales volume because of supply chain issues, cost pressures with what's happening with inflation, and also investors rotating out of growth names because of the risk of the higher interest rates coming through and just seeing people pivot away from these high growth names. So all these factors coming together has led to people selling. So that he thinks will be turning around once Neo gets his business underway in the coming months with more new car models and as things start to improve. So with that in view, he's thinking, you know, things are oversold and maybe investors can get into Neo right now at the current valuations. So improving volume sales, better margin and a recovery in valuation is what is powering uh, that increase in his estimation of NEO, a couple of factors seem to be running in NEO's favor this week. In addition to that buy call by Bank of America, NEO is beginning to sell more cars in Europe and investors are feeling enthused by Chinese Vice Premier Liu He's remarks earlier this week. We talked about it. Liu indicating that Beijing may start providing more support to tech companies. Now, NEO is not raising any new capital with its share listing here in Singapore. The move is largely seen as a proactive measure. Just in case U.S. regulators force it to delist there. So what do you think NEO's decision to list here in Singapore actually means for the Singapore exchange? And do you think we might see NEO enter the Straits Times Index? Yeah, you pointed out a very good point about how it is facing a potential delisting in the U.S. It's one of many Chinese 
US listed companies just facing that prospect. And one of the reasons behind optimism that is coming through from the Bank of America analyst is how he believes the delisting risk has been reduced and Chinese authorities are also starting to look at how they can you know, support all these big tech giants. So going back to how it might impact the Singapore markets, if we see more of these jitters around these Chinese companies trying to find a plan B, look for a secondary market, companies like NEO. We could see some of them, more of them, come through for secondary listings in Singapore. So it could pave the way for even more exciting growth names in Singapore. And of course, um, Singapore doesn't have that same level of vibrancy like the Nasdaq or even Hong Kong markets when it comes to tech names. So something that could really give a lift for the SGX. And looking at what we have for NEO, it's of course seen as a big challenger to the bigger boys like BYD and Tesla. So that will be a good opportunity for retail investors here to just get into the action when it comes to the EV space. And that will also just um, see... Singapore becoming a more attractive venue for Chinese companies as well. All right, let's move from Shenton Way to Central Boulevard, where another prominent multinational is reportedly interested in setting up shop. Amazon has been checking out office space at IOI Central Boulevard Towers. That's near the downtown MRT station, by the way. Ryan, tell us more. Yeah, so IOI is coming up. It's one of the big office building projects that is on the radar for people in the business. And so you point out MRT stations. So what's worth noting is it will have a direct underground pedestrian linkway to downtown MRT station as well as sheltered connections with three other MRT stations, Marina Bay, Raffles Place and Shenton Way. And it's made up of two towers of 16 and 48 storeys as well as a seven-storey podium. So great A office space to the tune of 1.26 million square feet. And it looks like Amazon is trying to get a huge chunk of the space. So we are looking at around 350,000 square feet, possibly looking at what some of the sources are citing. So if it does come to pass that they manage to get some space there, this could see them consolidate some of the existing properties where they are leasing from the likes of One George Street, Capital Square, Asia Square Tower 1, and also some space at WeWork in Manulife Tower, all coming together perhaps at IOI. So this could possibly see Amazon leasing the entire podium, uh, seven-story podium tower, as well as all the office space in one of the east towers. So it does possibly leave a bit more space for another anchor tenant. But that is what we are looking at, Amazon shopping around for new space to park all their employees. Singapore has been working hard to attract tech companies and to encourage them to expand their presence here. In fact, Amazon is not the only big name considering leasing space at the IOI Properties Project. So who else could be an anchor tenant there, Ryan? Yeah, great A office space is really in demand as we see them. I guess people and companies starting to return back to some of the new normal, going back to the office, working from office per se, and they want a new nice space. And the people or companies looking for these spaces have been a lot of the high growth names, Meta and ByteDance, have all been shopping around to grow their companies, especially in this part of the world. And this is seeing them look for possibilities of um, new spaces. And they could be one of the anchor tenants alongside Amazon. All right. 
While this is potentially good news for IOI properties, it may not be so good for some of its competitors. Amazon currently leases space in several other properties, including at Capital Square and Asia Square Tower. So if the deal at IOI properties goes through, analysts say that Amazon may consolidate its offices. IOI properties, by the way, is listed in Malaysia. And its shares are up about 4% this week, but down more than 20% over the past year. Near the top of the show, I mentioned that Beijing may start providing more support to Chinese tech stocks, potentially marking the end of its crackdown on the sector. This morning, I have news of just how much Beijing may be willing to spend to support not just tech, but its entire economy. And it's not a small figure, is it, Ryan? Yeah, so we've been hearing a lot from policymakers about how they want to support the economy and businesses as well by pumping in measures like stimulus as well as regulations to just help to tight over this tough time for the Chinese economy. And this comes to the tune of possibly 5 trillion US dollars. That's according to a Bloomberg calculation of monetary and fiscal measures announced so far. This would be roughly a third of China's $17 trillion economy. So it's quite a big bazooka when it comes to monetary and fiscal stimulus. But for context, it's not as big as what they wrote out back in 2020, which was around 35.5 trillion yuan. So that is um, still a fraction of that, but it is still quite a lot to chew on. And we are looking at measures like property loans to help get people to afford the properties that have been rising prices as well as what's happening infrastructure, financing to help some of these infrastructure projects get underway and get people employed and also targeted lending to sectors for small businesses and also green projects as well will be one to watch in terms of policy support. China under immense pressure to meet the government's growth target of about 5.5% for the year. While NEO shares have been rising this past week, the same is not the case for other high-profile tech companies in China. Tencent dropped more than 6% yesterday and the Hang Seng Tech Index finished 4% lower. What's behind the sell-off? Yeah, it looks like jitters are still not gone around Chinese tech names. So if you look at what happened yesterday on the Hang Seng Tech Index, it closed lower by 4%. Alibaba Group and Tencent Holdings were among the biggest losers. You've got Tencent down 6.5%. And it's what I've been talking about in the past few days, that slower growth picture just starting to emerge and just crystallizing a bit more. If you look at what happened earlier with GD.com, they had their slowest quarter for a long time, I think it was a slow quarter on record when it comes to growth in revenue. And Tencent also had its revenue halved. And not too long ago, Alibaba had its slowest growth quarter for the three months end of December uh, since it got listed. So that is just painting a picture of how after a pandemic field boom, mm-hmm. uh, they are now starting to see moderation. So that's possibly seeing investors think twice about staying invested in these names and just pivoting away to more stocks with uh, better upside. So that's what's playing out for Chinese tech companies. And of course, the uncertainty still abound when it comes to regulations. Despite the forum we had this week between policymakers and Chinese tech companies, we still haven't gotten a very clear signal if indeed the clampdown is over.
Let's take a quick look at U.S. markets now. The S&P 500 fell another half percent overnight as the benchmark index inched closer to being officially in bear market territory as the label generally applied to a loss of 20 percent or more. Ryan, the last bear market that we experienced at the beginning of the pandemic was brief, but if history is a guide, that is an exception and more pain is ahead. Tell us more. Yeah, 19 percent. And this is after a really bad week. I think the S&P 500 is down more than 3% so far this week. So we'll see how it pans out tonight. Maybe it could just be the night to tip it over to 20% like you pointed out. So if you look at history, there have been 17 bear markets since World War II. And what happens on average when it does go into a bear market? It stays there for quite some time. On average, at least a year. So this is what we could be in for. A year of pain or you no? Know, in that context of how we could see S&P 500 struggle to get back up again if it does break below that point. Okay, so we're going to stay here for a while. An interesting stat caught my eye this morning. Leisure travel in the U.S. is back at pre-pandemic levels. This is not only good for hotels and airlines, it may also bode well for inflation. How is that? Yeah, that's a very interesting idea, right? And no surprise as we see people want to travel, revenge travel, just going back out to their shopping or holiday destinations they've been putting on the list for the past few years. So they have been spending on tickets, spending on winter wear in some cases, spending everything you need to do with travel, hotel bookings and whatnot. But if you spend all those things, you need to take the money from somewhere else. So maybe things like that big TV or that computer or laptop. So that spending is shifting the mix in consumer patterns. So that could maybe alleviate some of the prices, the price increases in other items and bring down inflation in that sense. If you look at how maybe spending could be reallocated elsewhere. Yeah, according to a MasterCard study, the number of tourists back to pre-pandemic levels 2019. Time now for corporate news and a quick game of up or down. Just three items for you this morning, Ryan. Are you ready? Let's go. Let's kick Friday off with Google. I am looking at a down for Google. So you've got a Senate bill in the US that could potentially break up Google's advertisement business or advertising business. Indeed. So down for me as well, US legislators are considering a bipartisan bill to break up Google's ad business. Sunda Pichai, the CEO of Google and its parent company Alphabet, cannot be too happy about this piece of news. All right, let's turn to Grab now. I am going with up. Even though Grab has still clocked a loss for its most recent uh, quarter, it's narrowed its loss to 435 million from 666 million US dollars a year before. So this is off the back of better growth in its food and grocery business. And it's also looking forward to better times ahead. It sees the worst of the pandemic behind them and it's looking forward to growth in its financial services. And that's possibly looking at its digital bank launching later this year in the second half. Yeah, so it's a matter of perspective. I mean, we'll grab bounce back as mobility, food and grocery, potentially are the baskets people spend more of as the world sort of wakes up. Grab is still in the red, not as much. It lost 435 million US dollars in the first quarter of the year. Even though that is an improvement, I'm going to go with a down in my books for now. Let's uh, end things up with Apple, Ryan. Yeah, I'm going up and I'm calling it a step into the Appleverse. <laughs> so they have 
been showing off a augmented reality slash virtual reality headset to their board members to just show something that's coming up in the works, in the pipeline, possibly some device that will be, I guess, reminiscent of what Google had before, virtual reality glasses. So maybe Apple's coming or something. And this is according to reports, uh, they have been previewing a mixed reality headset to the company's board. So something that could be integrated maybe to your watch, your phone or any Apple device. Hmm. Now, this is going to be quite exciting. I don't need another device to add to my Apple ecosystem. But uh, yes, this uh, these glasses are going to combine VR and AR and you know, there's a lot of excitement over how the overlays of digital information and images is going to add to your understanding of the real world as you navigate it. Uh, so I'm going to go with an up on the back of that news. Apple's also ramped up the development of this reality operating system that is the software that's going to run it. So it's quite exciting to see how this could turn out. Would you buy this? Yeah, I'll call it iPhone, EYE phone. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> All right, let's turn to Singapore now. We are 22 minutes into the local trading day. The Straits Times Index fell a bit more than 1% yesterday to finish back below the 3,200 level. The closing figure was 31.90. Wilma International was the biggest loser among the blue chips. So how's the STI trading this morning? Yeah, despite a negative handover from Wall Street, looks like Asian markets pretty much shaking it off. So we are seeing most markets in the green right now and it's looking at the STI having a rather strong start, up 1.2% at 3,227. And all counters on the STI in the green. So we've got the likes of UOL, City Dev, UOB, Yang Zhijiang Shipbuilding and Roma, all up by at least 2%, followed by Genting Singapore, Capital Net Integrated Commercial Trust and SGX, Venture, SC Engineering and quite a few more names all up by at least 1%. So a strong start to Friday. So just a good sign to head into the weekend on a high note. Indeed, Singapore is one of only two Asia-Pacific markets to be back for the black this year. Back in the black, I should say. The SDI currently up about 2% since January. The other market in positive territory is Jakarta. He's Ryan Huang there. I'm Michelle Martin. Thank you for joining us here on Market View. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.